All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And we're going to finish a few more verses, getting closer to the end of 1 John. And we're in the last chapter of Mark. So we're going to finish two series at one time. I plan on going into Joshua and Judges next. And so it's going to be an exciting study. Joshua goes along with the book of James in the New Testament about the victorious Christian life. And so this will go right along with Sunday school. So amen. Good to see each one of you here uh, tonight. We had a little trouble uh, send, emailing our, our outline to the sound room, but I think we got it. And we're going to just continue what we uh, left off last week at verse 9. And Brother Joel, we'll go to um, uh, slide 11, if you can see that on the, on the outline. I'm not sure it's numbered like mine. Let's stay in all the Word of God. We're going to read verses 9 through 15, and I'm so glad to see the new converts here tonight because if there was two, two messages that I'd like to give new converts is on how do you know you're saved and how to have your prayers answered. Now, if you know you're saved and you know who Jesus is, he's the Son of God, then you ought to know that he'll take care of you in the nasty now and now by answering your prayers. And uh, that's the greatest joy in the Christian life is to be in a fellowship with the Lord, and that's the, cha- and that's the whole theme of 1 John, is sweet fellowship with the Lord. Verse 9, it says, And we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this, this is the witness of God, which he hath testified, key word, of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life. Eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Now listen, it says, And he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Look at verse 13 very closely. This is a great book, on, great verse on assurance. 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. If we know that he heareth us, he, and we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for that wonderful song on the blood. And I pray to your God that you'd help us, Lord, as we uh, rightly divide the word of God. And Lord, we thank you for the testament of who your, who, who your son really is. And he's the son of God. He's Jesus. He's God incarnate. Uh, Lord, we believe in the deity of Christ. that He is God and always was God. He is God. And Lord, we believe that prayer is simply coming to you, believing that you are. And Lord, you are the Son of God, and we appreciate the study of the book of 1 John, especially these last few verses on the witnesses of who Christ is. And we'll thank and praise you for using this message in our hearts for full assurance and also the privilege of prayer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want you to notice in verses 1, and I'm not going to go over these again because we've been over them twice, verses 1 through 8, that there's witnesses. There's witnesses of who Jesus is and that he is the Son of God. 
And there's no doubt about it. Uh, there's a witness of the water, which was at baptism. God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. There's the witness of the blood at the cross. There were several miracles, including darkness in the middle of the day and the veil rent from the top to the bottom to give us access. And then there's, of course, the witness of the Spirit. And the Spirit of God comes in your life when you're saved. Romans 8, 9 says, if you do not have the Spirit of God, you're none of His. So the Holy Spirit witnesses, slide 10, if you'll back up one, uh, the Holy Spirit witnesses, uh, the Spirit reveals the facts of the gospel, uh, the facts of the gospel to our heart. In other words, the Holy Spirit says amen when somebody preaches on the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Here's a Baptist preacher that believes in the Holy Ghost teaching of the Word of God and the Holy Ghost interpreting of the Word of God, and it's not private interpretation, it's not signs and signals and apostolic gifts that we're looking for, we just have the Word of God on it. And the Word of God has a resident teacher, and his name, John 14, 26, is the Holy Spirit. Then second of all, the Spirit of God validates our faith in the gospel. Uh, we can cry, Abba, Father. We have a relationship with God. Salvation is not uh, uh, just an experience. Salvation is a person. You have the person of the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart. Then the Spirit deals with the matter of feelings. Uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 10 says this, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself, and he that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. Now, a lot of people are looking for feelings to get saved. And if you do that, you're in a dangerous place because the devil will whisper to you that that's not a big enough feeling. That's only a seven on the scale of ten or whatever. And that's a very dangerous trick of the devil to send you to hell because you're waiting for a feeling. You're waiting for a bigger feeling. And maybe you have a feeling, but you don't think it's the exact feeling you ought to have. And that is so emotional, and we are emotional beings, but folks, the Holy Spirit deals with us in the matter of joy and peace that cometh after salvation. John 15, 11 says, These things have I spoken to you that you might have peace, and that my peace might remain in you. And the Bible says that we have joy unspeakable, because of prayers answered, John 16, verse 24. And so going to the next thing, there's an affirmation of the witness. What is the evidence displayed and declared in these verses that we study? It removes any doubt that who Jesus is. And Jesus is found guilty of being the eternal Son of God. And He is the, he is the Savior of the world. Now you've got to believe right about Jesus to be saved. You don't have to be a theologian, but you must believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And then the key word is witness. In verses 6 through 10, we saw the eternal life is a gift. It's a gift. Uh, the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and it's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Now, folks, I want to tell you you receive a gift very simply. You believe the word of the giver. If God said he'd give you eternal life, you need to believe the word of the giver and receive eternal life. And I like biblical terms. Sometimes we use the word as Baptist to prove our doctrine of not losing our salvation. And a lot of people say, well, if I thought uh, you could not lose your salvation, I'd live like I want to. Number one, you don't want to if you're saved because the Holy Spirit's inside of you giving you a new want to. 
But then number two, you're scared to. Because of whom the Lord loveth, he scourged and chasteneth every Sunday we sin. So eternal life is a gift from God. And not unless we get to heaven and boast about it. And then looking back at John chapter 10, uh, the gospel that John wrote. He wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John too. Uh, but John chapter 10, some wonderful verses on how you know you're saved. Now listen, if you don't know you're saved, that's like having a quarter in your pocket and you don't know it's there. It won't do you a dime's bit of good. Amen? You can't spend it. You can't give it away. You can't do anything with it. You can't enjoy anything if you don't know you have it. And I want to tell you something. A lot of people don't know they're saved. It's a, it's a, it's a ploy from the devil to get you to doubt. I'm not saying uh, that if you doubt your salvation, you're lost. I heard a preacher up at Highland Park preach that in that great revival where everybody got saved, including the assistant pastor and everybody. Um, and God must not have been pleased with that because that place is not even around anymore. And the preacher said, if you ever had a doubt, then you're lost. I thought, my word. Uh, folks, John doubted. John the Baptist said, I, I don't know if that's him or not. And the Lord sent a testimony to him to help his doubts. And so it's not that you uh, doubt and lose it, but you ought to doubt that you cannot lose it. Uh, God's not an Indian giver. Uh, I know y'all came all the way here to hear that deep truth, but God, God's not an Indian giver. He's not going to take back something that he gave you because it was a gift to his son. Amen, John chapter 17. Also, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, when you get married, he don't divorce you. Amen, because you're the bride, he's the groom. Amen. When you're birthed, he doesn't kill you. So you can get born again. It's not you must be born again and again and again. You must be born again. So it's a spiritual miracle. Amen. And folks, a lot of people play this get saved 15 dozen times. I heard a testimony the other day of somebody that said, uh, I got saved again. Saved again. That's about as confusing as you get. How many times are you going to get saved? And a lot of people think you can lose your salvation. You get it because you have an old nature that's eradicated and that you, if you sin, that, that means you must not uh, have the Holy Spirit in your life anymore that he's left you. And so they come down, they get saved 10 dozen times. And I want to tell you something. That is so unrestful and so lack of peace uh, that it would drive some people crazy. But look at John chapter 10. I want to give you some biblical language because it's straight from the Bible. Eternal security, I don't believe that's a phrase in the Bible. But I want to tell you what's in the Bible. Eternal life. What well, to use biblical language. Amen. That's strong language. That's eternal language. That's God's word. Look at John chapter uh, 10, verse 27, please. The Bible says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, folks, listen. The evidence of being saved is that you want to do right, John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, verse 29. There's evidence of being saved. I'll get that in just a second. But look at verse 28. And I give unto them, what's the next two words? Eternal life. Who gives them to you? God. And they shall never perish. Okay, how long does never perish mean? That means forever. Eternal life means forever. Never means never. I mean, why can't we just take the Word of God and believe it? Say amen. So I got the Word of God on this uh, eternal salvation. I got the witness of the Spirit. I got the witness of the blood. And I got the witness of God saying that this is my beloved Son 
in whom I'm well pleased, the witness of the water. That's what these verses meant preceding. So listen, let's go again with this. Verse 28, John 10, you got it? It says, I will give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Listen to this. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And then somebody said, well, you can pluck yourself out of God's hand. Who wants to? And by the way, just like a granny that rebuked one of these liberal preachers one time when he was preaching on uh, uh, you could lose your salvation because um, he can, you could pluck yourself out of God's hand, the little lady came up to him and rebuked him and says, not if you're one of the fingers. Because see, we're the body of Christ, amen? And folks, as long as the head's above the water, you're not going to drown. And long as uh, God's in heaven, Jesus in heaven, the forerunner, our anchor of our salvation, then you're going to be there ahead of time, positionally speaking. So you don't get lost, saved, lost, saved. That's the most confusing thing I've ever heard. Eradicate the old nature, get baptized in the Holy Ghost and get the new nature again. Folks, you get the new nature when Jesus comes into your life. 1 John chapter 5 says we receive a divine nature. First, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 5 says we're kept by His power. Not kept by your power, we're kept by His power. Let me just put it this way. If you work to get your salvation, you can unwork to get your salvation. But you didn't work to get your salvation. You believed in the work of Calvary. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. I am so glad you're here, especially you that's just been saved a couple of weeks, because I needed to hear this about two weeks after I got saved. Or maybe one week, maybe one minute. We have full assurance because eternal life is a gift it's a gift. Look at verse 29. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Now here it is. I and my Father are one. I and my Father are one. Jesus speaking. And so he's, 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 saying, he's saying that he's God. And folks, I want to tell you something. If God can't keep you saved, nobody can keep you saved. Amen. Your wife can't keep you saved. You can't keep your saved. The preacher can't. Some priest can't. Some pope can't. I guarantee you politicians can't get you saved or keep you saved, but Christ can save you. He'll keep, he'll keep you saved. So life, eternal life is a gift. Then number two, the gift is a person. The gift is a person. Let's go back to our text. 1 John chapter 5, look at verse 13. It says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Look at verse um, 11. And this is the record, 1 John 5, right before Revelation. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. And so, folks, salvation is not a thing. And just like the Holy Spirit's not a it, you know, have you received it, they say? No, folks, you, have you received Him? And if you have received Him, you're saved. You're saved, saved, saved. You say, but there is an unpardonable sin. I'll get to that next week. It's right down here in verse 16. That has nothing to do with uh, uh, some sin that you think so wicked. It's the sin of unbelief. It's the sin of unbelief. The only sin that will ever send you to hell is unbelief. When you do not trust that Jesus is the Son of God. So number two, it's a gift of it's a gift, and that gift is number two is it's a gift is a person, not a thing, and not an experience. 
It's, he's Jesus Christ. And God wants His children to know that they belong to Him. Now, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say it very clearly. One of the most wicked heresies on this earth is that you can lose your salvation. And you say, well, if I believed you could lose your salvation, I'd live just like I want to. Number one, you don't want to. Number two, you're scared to because you don't want the Lord to discipline you. But folks, salvation is a person. And the person of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, which is three in one, comes into your life, your heart, and that's your mind, will, and emotion, your whole being, your whole soul. Uh, You heard of the salvation of a soul. You go soul winning. You don't go flesh winning. You don't go just emotional winning. You go soul winning. Folks, he comes into your soul. He comes into your spirit. He comes into your body. And folks, it's not this heart that's pumped. As a man thinketh in his heart, that's your being. That's all your being. For, in, in, in the words, being saved is letting him be in your life and, and giving your life to Christ and no longer becoming your own and being your own. It's an experience of awakening. Look at John 5.24, please. Go back to John 5.24. I should have went there when we were back there, but it don't hurt you to turn those pages. makes the preacher feel good you brought your Bible. But look at John 5.24, please. The Bible says, Verily, verily. What's verily, verily mean in the King James? Truly, truly. Listen to this. I say unto you, He that heareth my word, there's a key. You don't get saved by some experience. You don't get saved by vision. You don't get saved by voices. Folks, don't trust voices. You might hear the wrong one. He is an imitator. He's a deceiver. The devil can imitate Christ. He's going to do it when he comes as the Antichrist. But look at this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word. So you ought to check out everything by the word. Listen to this. And believeth on him. There it is. And believeth on him. Him. Not about Him, own Him. Uh, when you believe in somebody or own somebody, you give your life. You, you become a follower. Uh, I believe there was a Khrushchev, but I wasn't a communist. If I believed in Him, I would be a communist. You see what I'm talking about? Folks, you, but when you believe in someone, your believing affects your behaving. You give your life, you give your will. You give your emotions, you give your life to Christ. But look at this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth the word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. How long's everlasting, class? It's everlasting, amen? It says you have everlasting life. So anybody that teaches you can lose your salvation is disputing and calling God a liar. And it says this. And shall not come into condemnation. And shall not come into condemnation. What's that mean? You shall not come into condemnation. But go to this. But it's passed from what? Death unto life. Just as you're dead in your sins and trespasses, Ephesians 2.1 says we're dead in our sins and trespasses. God quickens us by His grace and the Holy Spirit makes the gospel real and you believe it in your heart. He comes into your life, you pass from death into life. It's a spiritual resurrection. You are born again, but you're raised from the dead because the Bible says you're dead in your sins and trespasses. 
You was dead to the things of God. You were dead to answer a prayer. You were dead to the peace of God. You were dead to the power of God. And when you got saved, you got quickened. You brought a lie. So this verse is a great assurance to me. It's saying this. It's saying that uh, God Almighty brings us up from the deadness of our life because the wage of sin is death, so we're all dead. Through Adam and Eve, we all died. The Bible says, for by one man's disobedience, death passed among all men. Romans 5, 12. Now this is about as fundamental as you'll ever get, folks, is that you were born as a dead person. And God brought you alive spiritually when you asked Him to come in your life, believed that He died for you, believed it's a gift of God, and you received Jesus as your personal Savior. Now let me just give you on this next slide the birthmarks of a Christian, and I want you to just write the verses down. Born of God's mentioned at least four times in the book of 1 John. The first one is 1 John 2.29. 1 John 2.29 says, Whosoever is born of God doeth right, righteous. Doeth right. That means you have a spirit inside of you that makes you want to do right. You don't want to do wrong no more. That's why murderers in jail can be saved. That's why rapists can be saved. That's why homosexuals can be saved. That's why the vilest sinner you've ever met can be saved because they pass from death unto life and praise God, they have a new want to when they get saved. Now if they go back to that same lifestyle habitually, then they didn't get saved because the Spirit of God does right, convicts you of right. And then in 1 John 3, 9, it says, Whosoever is born of God, right there in 1 John, if you want to just look at it real quick, 1 John 3, 9, it says, Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. You got to get the word uh, in Greek, and commit, that means habitual. Sin's an exception, not a profession. Noah got drunk, but he wasn't a drunkard. Abraham lied, but he wasn't a liar. Peter cursed, but he wasn't a curser. I'm just saying this, friend. They slipped up, and all of you will probably slip up since you've been saved. You'll lose your temper. Um, you might have a backsetting, but I want to tell you something. It doesn't mean God kicks you out of the family. Is there anything your children could do to cause you to disown them? I don't think so. If you're a half-decent daddy. I mean, they can slap you upside the face. And uh, you might have to kick them out of the house and have some tough love. But you're not going to disown them. Now, I want to say this. You're not half the father that God is. And God would never disown you. I'll tell you what he'll do. He'll take you to the woodshed. And I'll tell you what he'll do. He'll take the peace of God from your life just like that. If you're saved, sin bothers you. When it didn't used to bother you. You used to hang out at a bar. Now if you went in a bar, it would be a very dark place. It really would. And if you went in a bar, you'd be worried about your testimony. I'll never forget one time when I was a dumb youth pastor many hairs ago, uh, we saw this bumper sticker in a tavern down there in and they have these little taverns everywhere, like little old shanties. I mean, just bars is what they are. But they were just really little shacks. And there was a guy, there was a big old station wagon that had Whitfield Baptist Church on the bumper. And I said, man, I'm going to straighten that guy out. I don't know who that is. And I went barging in that bar as, as a youth pastor. And I said, I want your attention. Everybody's up there, loud music, dark, you know. These guys are big as this pulpit, wide. I mean muscular, I mean good old farmers that 
just was lost and drinking it up. And uh, finally, I said, I want to know whose car that is out there with a Whitfield, ba- I mean, Gospel Baptist Temple uh, sticker on it. This big old guy got up and said, it's mine. And I said, I was just wondering, I was taking a survey. You know? <laughs> and, and come to find out, it was one of our bus kids had put that on her, his daddy's car. And you know something, I backed out of that place, and I said, you know, I, was, I had a youth with me or somebody, I don't think it was a youth or I wouldn't have went to a bar. I shouldn't go in a bar anyway. And I thought that was the dumbest thing I've done in the ministry. I hadn't done that since, amen? I might wait outside and talk to somebody, but I'm not going to go in no bar. Why? Because that bothers me. Amen? My life's not the same as it used to be. So the old places should bother you. The old habits ought to bother you. It's called the convictors inside of your life. Amen? You can't treat people like you used to. What happens is love just pops out. Amen? You start loving people that hurt you. That'll prove that you're saved. Amen? They know that we pass from death and life because we love the brethren. And that's the next verse. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. Look at it. And I know that we have passed from death into life. That's a spiritual resurrection because we love the who? Brethren. Here we go. If you don't love the brethren, I don't think you can have assurance of your salvation. If you don't love coming to church, I don't think you can have assurance of your salvation. One time this guy said, I am racked with doubt all the time. I just have never, I just can't get peace about that I'm really saved. And he, what, should I, what could I do? I'm just all the time doubting my salvation, preacher. And some people would doubt God if they were, they were with him because they're just doubtful dispositions. You know, they don't trust no one. They're fearful about somebody letting them down or breaking the word, you know, because they've probably been shafted in the past. But I looked at him and I said, Sir, I want to ask you one question. Since you've been saved, have you been baptized? I don't believe in baptism regeneration like the Church of Christ does. That's totally wrong. That's works. And he says, No. I'm, I'm, I'm scared of water. And I looked at him as kind as I could be. I mean, he was about seven foot tall, scared of water. I said, listen, you'll never have assurance of your salvation until you obey. And the first step of obedience is baptism. And so as long as you want to have doubts, just go ahead and not get baptized. Finally, he gave in. I baptized him. He ain't had doubts to this day. See, folks, obedience is better than sacrifice. And obedience is an evidence of being saved. And if you can't get baptized after you get saved, then you'll always have doubts. The devil will use that as a foothold. And then you won't have the clear-cut testimony that you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. So you ought to get saved and you ought to get baptized as soon as possible. Now, if you don't get baptized, you'll still go to heaven, but it'd be like sitting, standing on a plane for 14 hours when you could be sitting down and having a meal and, praise God, um, having a cushion put under you and put a blanket over you. That's what I do when I uh, go to fly to South Africa and pray to God that I'll fall asleep because I'm telling you what, I go bananas after about six hours. It's an 18-hour flight before you hit the ground. And buddy, I'm t- that's a day and a half almost to me. Amen. And I just say, praise God, I've got to go to sleep. When Brother Kevin, he's coming home, he's coming home to be with us at the couples retreat. And uh, the week of he's coming home, we're having the couples retreat that weekend. And uh, I remember he used to have to come by all the time with his kids for visa or something. And he'd come by himself. I said, how'd you control those kids? He looked at me, smiled, and says, I drug them. <laughs> I said, you did what? He said, I drugged them. He said, I gave them Dramamine. And they just fall off to sleep in the floor, praise God. 
I saw, I, and I thought, man, that is the awfulest thing I ever heard do. And I remember one time we took uh, Katie Hope, who was that tall, blonde-headed girl, uh, back to Peru as a favor for her parents because they were with her grandparents. And I said, give that little girl some Dramamine, amen, or something, amen. Because uh, she was all over the plane, was chasing her, you know, and she apologized every time she sees me. I said, you was just a baby. I said, I was worse than you. You ought to have seen me. I ought to apologize to you. But I want to tell you something, friend. You can go first class. And that first class is obedience. You can sit down, have a milk, uh, have a blanket, have a pillow, and you can enjoy the trip called the Christian life. Or you can be out of the will of God. Can't, you won't have your prayers answered next verses because you're out of the will of God and you don't know the will of God. And you'll be miserable as a Christian. Matter of fact, I, I, I want to say this. You'll be more miserable than when you was lost because you know you ought to do right and you don't do right so you're caught in the middle. Amen? The worst person to hang around with is a disobedient Christian. Come on, say amen. I mean, out of the will of God, Christian. Some of y'all married to them. Amen? I'm telling you, it is havoc because you're not on the same page. You don't worship together. I'm telling you, it'd be miserable. And I want to tell you something. Somebody needs to get right with God and give in to the things of God. And folks, I want to tell you something. If you have a wife or a husband that loves God, you ought to shout, not pout. You ought to praise God. Thank the Lord. He's got someone that has a common goal, and that's to please God. Then last but not least, the fruit of the Spirit, or born of God, is that you overcome the world. That's in the chapter we're in. It says, whatsoever is born of God, overcometh the world. There it is. Now, I want to tell you what that's saying. The Holy Spirit's inside of you. And look at back in 1 John 4, 4. 1 John 4, 4. I'm trying to be real slow here. I was born slow, but I'm trying to preach slow for the new converts. I want you to see every verse. 1 John 4, 4 says this. You are of God, little children. Relationship, 1 John 4, 4. And you have overcome them because, greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible, because, Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Amen. Amen? And so, folks, listen. One of the ways I know I'm saved is the devil's not, he's not dominant in my life. Now, he's damaging, and he, he's not omnipresent like the Lord. Some people think the devil's everywhere. No, he has his demons and, and, and principalities and rulers and princesses. But I want to tell you something, friend. I don't have to give in to him because the Spirit of God can answer the door when they knock on my doors hard. Amen. Now let me just say real quick, we'll finish this lesson. Salvation, uh, there's birthmarks of the, of the child of God, but salvation that is secure is eternal. Verse 11 again says, he that is, and this is the record, that God has given us eternal life and his life is in his son. The life is in his son. John chapter 10, 28 says, no man can pluck you out of the hand. John chapter 6, verse 35 through 37 says, He will in no wise cast you out. I always um, misunderstood that verse. And uh, Brother Rick Spence and I were discussing on verses of giving assurance of salvation. And it says, He'll no wise cast you out. That means after salvation. He won't cast you out. In other words, you won't disown your children. They'll always be your children. No matter what they do, they'll be your children. And you might want to kill them, but you're not going to disown them. Say amen. I mean, you'll, you'll want to discipline them. They'll break your heart. One of the greatest joys is that your children want to serve God and love God. No greater joy. And there's no greater 
hurt to know your children are not living for God because you know what's ahead. They'll have to learn the hard way. And so, folks, listen, he'll no wise cast you out. And so the basis of eternal security is the promise of God. If I perish, I'd lose my salvation. But God would lose his honor. For he promised to give eternal, that should be eternal, not stern, eternal life. Who typed that? To all who come to him through Christ. Now don't look back at the sound room. All they do is take my typing and put it up on the wall. I'd like to blame it on, but I can't. Eternal life. For he's promised eternal life. What am I saying? I'm going to say this. If you lose your salvation, you'd lose a lot. But I want to tell you something. If you lose your salvation, God loses more. He loses his honor because he's a liar. I said God's a liar if you can lose your salvation because he said you'll never perish. God's never lied. So I got God's word on it. That's what these verses are about. Our assurance of salvation. And I know we take everybody to 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, right after they get saved. I do, every time, every time. Because I want them to, see, I want them to trust what is written, not what they feel. I've had many people come up to me and say, well, I don't know if I'm saved. And I look at them and say, well, if you don't know, I don't know. They want me to be a discerner. You know, they want me to have wisdom uh, whether or tell them that they're not saved. I ain't going to do that. I said, let me, let me ask you a question. Has there been a time in your life where you trusted the Lord as your personal Savior? And they said, sure. And I said, well, what happened? They said, well, I prayed and I asked the Lord to come into my life, and he came into my life, but I don't know if I was sincere enough. I said, it's not based on your sincerity. I don't know if I felt good enough. I don't know how I felt. Matter of fact, it's been 30 years, and I can't remember 30 days ago. And I said, let me just ask you a question. When you got saved, did your life change? He says, well, I was 10 years old. I didn't, I didn't rob banks. I didn't, you know, uh, cuss. I didn't smoke. I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, drink. I didn't do much. I, just, I said, but did you have a new want to? Did you have a desire to go to church? And they said, yes. I said, well, based on the word of God, the fruit tells me that you got saved. Because you can't remember the filling. You can't remember the prayer. Some people can't remember the date. I try to put the date in everybody's Bible when I lead them to the Lord because they want that date. But I want to tell you something, friend. You might forget the date and you might forget the feeling and you might forget what you prayed and exact words, but it's not based on words. You, you can pray as the Bible said, God be merciful and sinner, and you mean it in your heart, He'll save you. So it's not the words. The words are evidence that you believe. How can a man call upon the Lord unless he believes? So I really believe this. A person that gets up out of the pew, and if they were to drop dead of a heart attack the time they got to this first pew, I believe they'd be saved because they turned to the Lord in belief. We didn't have time to give them the prayer. We didn't have time to give them the scripture. I hope and pray that they heard enough scripture in this church every time I preach to, to tell them how to be saved. But I'm just saying, if they drop dead halfway down that aisle, I believe they got saved because the moment of belief, turning to the Lord, saved them. Not the prayer. Amen. It's not the prayer. It's the belief. It didn't say whosoever 
prayeth, it says, whosoever believeth in their heart that God has raised them dead. And it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Why were you calling if you didn't believe in the Lord? How, why would you call on somebody if you didn't believe he'd save you? So what you was doing, you was claiming his word, turning your life over the Lord, and there's different kinds of prayers. And I want to say this, there's different emotions. Some people wouldn't cry if you shot them. Some people wouldn't cry if you dropped 10 pounds on their foot. They'd just kick you with the other foot, say amen. Because you've been programmed to be unemotional, like I was. I lived in a house of no affection showing. We loved each other. My mother loved me, and I loved my daddy, and my daddy loved me. I'm just saying we didn't express it. But if you go over to Tinsley's house, they were kissing on each other, hugging on each other. I mean, they tried to start doing that stuff to me, and I thought, man, alive, I want to marry into this family. They're kissy, kissy, huggy, huggy, expressy, expressy. You know, they had espresso. They were so expressive. You know, you know, Pappy. He'd come in that room, and he'd start coming in this thing. He'd interrupt the whole service, shaking everybody's hand, hugging everybody, you know. That's the way he raised his daughter. I'm so glad because two of us would be boring. Amen. I need an emotional wife. I need a crying wife. I need someone to express, and, and I try to be more expressive than I've ever been in my life, but I'm going to tell you something, it's not based on expression, Amen. it's based on belief. Is this helping anybody? And so, let me just say last but not least, we'll get to the prayer next Tuesday and Wednesday, but if I perish, I lose my salvation, but God will lose his honor because he promised to give eternal life to all that come to him through Christ. Cody, I almost want you to stop the whole service and, and put in there eternal life, but don't do it. He could type it in a second, but he didn't type it wrong, I did. Let's go to the next slide so I want to see that. That's the first error I've made in the last five minutes. <laughs> Amen. That means everybody made an error. Raise your hand. Okay, good. You can be forgiving. Uh, let me just show you this real quick. The record or witness of eternal life. The witness we have in our hearts is the Spirit. He bears witness with our spirit. We can call him Abba, Father. I don't want to be disrespectful, but Romans 8, 16 says we can call him Papa. That's what that word means. It's an affectionate term for Father. It's not our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's, hey, God, I'm hurting. Father, I need you. We don't have to be so religious when we pray. We don't have to use the right words to pray. We just need to share our heart and be open and honest. And folks, the witness in our, in our, our spirit, uh, we adopt it in the family of God, but we call him Abba, Father. Look at verse 10 in our text. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. Has the witness in himself. It's a spiritual awakening when you get saved. It's a spiritual conviction because you know you need to be saved. But folks, it's a spiritual life when you are saved. He walks with you and talks with you. His word is real. And I'm going to say, you've got to grow into this now because a lot of you numb your feelings through sinful living. You don't trust everybody because you've been shafted or somebody walked out with your kids and left you. It's hard to trust even God because you've been so hurt. So let it, let's grow and let's be faithful. And let's come to church on Wednesday like you're here tonight. 
And let's grow spiritually to know that He loves you. Amen? You got, you got to get, no, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Half the kids we bring in here are skeptical that you love them because they've been hurt so much. Daddy's not around. Mama's not around much. They've been abused, neglected. And folks, what are they, you think they're just going to walk in this church and think, well, praise God, somebody loves me. They want to, but at the same time, they're going to say, he's going to have to prove it. And so if you start skipping church, and you don't care enough about them to show up for them, then they're not going to believe it. If you forget to go visit them and knock on their door, they're not going to believe it. So you've got to prove your love to a kid that's been abused. And I want to tell you something, this whole world's been abused by the devil. No matter how old you are, your heart has got calluses. Your heart's got blisters that's turned to calluses. You've got shells and layers of protection up. Say amen right there. You, you don't let people get too close. That's why second marriages, 85% of them don't work. Because the X and the O's brought into that relationship. If I can give one word to a person that suffered the trauma of divorce, conclude the past and trust the present. Amen? You're not a second-class saint, and you don't have to act like one, but I'm going to tell you something, friend. Divorce will hurt you. It'll scar you. It's like ripping plywood apart that's been put together by that liquid nail. It leaves pieces on the other side. But I want to tell you something. God's grace can help you rebuild. God's grace can get you, help you to forgive. And God's grace can help you trust. And that's the greatest thing about a marriage is that we trust God and trust each other. Or you have no basis for a relationship. So the witness we have in our heart is the Spirit. And then last but not least, the word we have in our hands is the record. Look at verse 11, and I'll close. And this is the record. Hey, I like that. It's the record. Been trying to buy a bus all this week, and and we have no records, and I'm looking for records, and we're going to verify records, and we're going to find titles, and we're going to do whatever we can to help this person find a record that it's really a bus. Amen? Because the government has to have it. But that ain't no big deal. It happens all the time. People have their records burn up. People lose records. People forget where they put their records. <laughs> Amen? I do. Praise God for a filing wife. Amen? I didn't say a fussing wife. I said a filing wife. Amen? She files everything right where it needs to be. I said, where's that birth certificate? It's right there under W for Wayne. No. But look at this. Look at this. It says, for this is the record. For this is the record. What record? It's the eternal, infallible, inerrant Word of God. That's what it is. It says this, that God has given us to us, given to us, what? Eternal life. This life is in His Son. Now, do you understand the context of the chapter? That's why He took eight verses to prove to you and called up three witnesses, and they found Jesus guilty of being the Son of God. And so if you believe He's the Son of God, you can believe that He'll save you. And then verse 14 and 15, you can believe He'll answer your prayer. Look at this. Verse 12. He that hath the Son, didn't say he that had religion, 
he that joined the Baptist church. And it definitely didn't say he that got baptized, capsized, or simonized, or took the Lord's Supper. Or he that turned over a new leaf. I went a lot of people to the Lord in the YDC in jail. And I warned them about jailhouse religion. I said, if you're just using God so you can go in front of that judge and say, hey, I got saved, and then get out here and live like the devil, I'm telling you something, God's going to ring your bell. And you'll be back in here in a few years or months. Sure enough, here they come. So I really didn't mean business, and I mean business. I don't believe they got saved to get saved again. They never did get saved. They were using God for emergency rations instead of daily bread. Say amen. Look at this. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's in the Son. S-O-N. Look at verse 13. We close. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That's power. His name is Jesus, but his name is Christ. And his name is Lord. And his name is God. There's power in that name. Like there's no other name under heaven whereby you must be saved. It says believe on the name. Who he is. The character. There's something in that name. It says believe on the name. Not about on. The name of the son of God. That you may what? Say it class. No. Say it again. No, that you have eternal life, that you may believe. Anytime the Holy Spirit repeats something, he's not being redundant. He's trying to drive home a truth. It says, and he that may believe, you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And then we have the confidence to go to him and pray. So you have enough confidence to know you're saved, but also you ought to have enough confidence to know that you can have your prayers answered. Isn't it a wonderful life that you can have a relationship with the living God because Jesus came to you when Adam and Eve couldn't make up for what they did. They gave you an Adamic nature, a sinful nature. You were born alienated from God. You're brought nigh by the blood. Folks, you were dead in your sins and trespasses. And the devil, the devil says, you can't get saved because you're so wicked. And you're resurrected and passed from death unto life. You were dead in your sins and trespasses and you were born of the Spirit. And now you can cry, Abba, Father. And have a relationship with the living God and know that you're saved. Our Father, thank you that we can call you our Father. And thank you, dear Lord, for this wonderful chapter of assurance this wonderful book of assurance, born of God, that sums it up. And there's evidence, there's fruits, there are birthmarks. Even sometimes there's birth pains after a, after a, a person gets saved and the devil wants to capture them and the flesh wants to draw them back and there's a warfare. And it's a tough life sometimes to give up the old past and give up the old friends and give up the old habits and give up the old music and give up the old entertainment and give up the lifestyle and give up the dress style of the world. It's tough. Those people think you're crazy. But dear God, it's worth it because, Lord, we're now on the winning side. 
We're on the peaceful side. We're on the victorious side. And Lord, we're on the side that's blessed. And God, we, we, we don't want to stay on that side as holier than thou Christians. We want to be a witness. But dear God, help us not jump in the well to rescue them. God, help us to throw the rope of a changed life, a committed life, and a compassionate life towards thee in their way. God, help us to love God so much they know we're real. Help us to love your word so much they know we're real. God, help us to love your church so much that our children would not doubt for a second that we now belong to Jesus. God, thank you for the radical change that you make in our life when we meet you. And thank you for the blessed assurance that you are ours and that we're going to heaven. And it's all based on the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Lord, thank you that we got the record. We got the witness. You testified over and over in your word that you are the Son of God and that whosoever believes in their heart that God has raised you from the dead, you said they shall be saved. So Lord, thank you for blessed assurance and thank you for eternal, everlasting life. With every head bowed, every eye closed,